Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Peak to Pit, Allie Peak, alongside TJ Pittinger, talking about all the hot sports topics going on around the country. But we are going to start first, TJ, with your favorite school. Florida State actually got to play their spring game this weekend. Did you like what you saw? I thought there were some things that... I thought there were some things that that looked good. I don't think we're back by any means. I'm not trying to pull a Miami or... Anything like that, but I did think that Florida State looked good in a couple of areas that they needed to look good in. First of all, the most important position on the field, McKenzie Milton looked good. Um, you know, he went, I believe, six for eleven, just under a hundred yards. Hit a couple of really nice passes. One was just an absolute dime on the right sideline, driving down the field. Another one was a back shoulder touchdown pass that was really, really nice. He really excels at that back shoulder pass. Um, and then he, you know, spread the ball around and, and had a nice slant pass. They went for a long, uh, not slant pass, a, long, a nice post pass. They went for a long gain as well. So Milton looked good. Jordan Travis looked good. Probably the most comfortable that he's ever looked, um, at quarterback. He so is there a quarterback a, controversy in Tallahassee. I don't know if it's a controversy so much because we're so far back. Um, I think that if today was, if, if the Notre Dame game was this weekend, I mean, I think Jordan Travis would start. Um, my prediction is that McKenzie Milton will start in five months. <laughs> so, you know, Jordan Travis having been in the system for a couple of years, um, definitely helps him. Also the fact that he's fully healthy helps him a ton. Um, you know, James Blackman took a lot of the number one reps last year. So Jordan Travis took a lot of the two reps and then Blackman was not cutting. It was not working out. They went to Travis. And he looked good at times, but because he wasn't the best thrower, one of the most polished thrower, he had to run a lot, ended up getting hurt more often than not. And so what I would like is for Florida State, if both guys are fully up to speed, both guys are fully healthy, McKenzie Milton looked healthy, like he didn't look like mobility was a problem or anything coming right. off the leg was an issue. It's 100% with Milton right now. It is, can he learn the offense? Can he get it all together by the time that, Notre Dame rolls into town. But if both guys are there and both guys are ready, the ideal scenario is that Milton's your starter 
and uh, Travis fulfills that Emory Jones or Tim Tebow, like that, that kind of come in and spot him, have the ability to throw and pass. Um, very athletic. Obviously, he was one of FSU, it may have been FSU's leading rusher last year, um, and then has a good, good arm too. He, his arm looked better and has looked better this spring than it has since he's been at FSU. So both guys looked really good. Um, there were obviously areas for concern. FSU's offensive line. There's a ton of guys, um, hurt right now and not that didn't play. So it's hard to pull much away from that. Um, FSU skill guys looked, you know, looked pretty good. I mean, there were highs and lows from the, from the wide receivers and the skill guys. Um, but overall, you know, some good things out there. Did you get a chance to watch it? I know you guys run around all over town. No, I did not watch it at all. I just kind of read some recaps of it, but I do, you know, I think that, um, Mackenzie Milton being fully healthy is basically the key to improvement for this season. I think that a great quarterback does that for you. I think a great quarterback gives you a couple more wins from last year, even if nothing else changes. I think, um, I would I would call Mackenzie Milton a great quarterback. I um, I think that that's a huge improvement. I'm glad to hear that he's healthy because I actually really like him um, as a person. First school choice aside, um, and I, it kind of almost scares me a little bit, right? That he that he is healthy and that he's ready to go because I think that that's a huge weapon for Florida State. Well, you know, I don't want to get too bold and too cocky just yet, but if he's fully healthy and he has a full grasp of the offense, he's the best quarterback in the state. I mean, that that's not like me trying to yeah, throw shots really at Emory or anybody else, um, but that that is the case. You I, know? I would say at this moment, that's not really debatable, right? Yeah, I mean, like I think he's the most proven guy. Now he's playing behind. Now that's not me saying that Florida there. State's going to be the best team because no, he's playing behind the no, worst and, offensive I mean, line. And, and the answer could be <laughs> different know. in October too, sure. right? But yeah. as of this moment, he has proven the most, right? And yeah. and. At, after that, honestly, it's probably Dylan Gabriel. That's a good point too. Yeah, you know, it's, and it's so, him uh, until so otherwise. Until proven otherwise, those are those are the two most experienced guys. Those are, um, especially with uh, Dick, on a and, surface, the two most talented guys at, right think, now. I think Derek King would be up there, but him going down in the bowl game and being hurt, I, I'm assuming he doesn't play this year, and that's kind of right. I think he looks really, really good last year, and, and would kind of yeah, be up no, there as well. Uh, and I think Emory will be fine. I mean, we'll kind of throw oh, everybody in Oh, I do too. Here. And this isn't, a, this isn't like, a knock on Emory Jones. Well, that's or, just how good anybody else, Milton but was at one point. These are these are the most proven guys on rosters in the state at the moment. Again, all the players around you, that makes a huge difference too. We could have totally different answers in October. As a Gator fan, I clearly hope we have different answers in October. But as of this moment, Mackenzie Milton is the most talented quarterback on any of the rosters, maybe most talented is not even the right way to describe it. The most game ready, um, the biggest advantage at the moment. Yeah, I'd say the. I mean, most talented is is a tough one because then you're factor right. like like to me, to me, uh, Tim Tebow's the best, probably the best college football player ever. But he's not like the best pass. Like he's not the best quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Like not the best pure quarterback ever. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like. So like yeah, you can I mean, distinguish I think that. So like I think that, but I think immediate, you know, Milton's the best. He's the best passer, sure. Right now, like that, like that has no question. But it's like, can he get the offense down? You know, so there's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of factors in there, but he is 
if he learns the playbook and he's healthy, he's the most, um, he's the difference maker right now. He's the, the biggest difference maker on a quarterback on a roster. Yeah. Florida state took a transfer from Georgia, Jermaine Johnson. Um, and he came in and just absolutely has been lighting it on fire this spring, uh, done really, really well. And, um, had a good spring game as well. So a kid that would have gone on and we talked to Andy Staples about it this week, would have gone and played at Georgia, uh, started at Georgia. Um, you know, it, it says a lot about both Georgia's roster and Florida State's where they can lose him and it's not a massive deal and Florida State can get him and he's all of a sudden the best player on the team. Right. But that transfer seems to be uh, one that Norvell has hit on. I mean, getting guys from a top two or three school in the SEC is never going to be a bad thing. <laughs> so uh seems to be another transfer that Norvell has hit on. Uh, defensive end slash, slash stand-up linebacker at times. But Jermaine Johnson has looked really, really good um, as well. So we'll see. Obviously, you know, Florida State having a lot of turnover needs to hit on a couple of portal guys. But if they can hit on those big two, if they can hit on yeah. – Milton and Johnson, um, it'll be good news. So spring is over now. Have you guys? You guys wrap up spring. Florida um, spring wrapped up a couple weeks ago. Uh, it wrapped up before a lot of people even started their spring. So spring is done, and now we are fully into the NBA and NHL season. <laughs> so, um, but there is always college football news. Like college football never sleeps. The new rule made permanent today. Players transferring get a one-time exemption to transfer. Like you can transfer somewhere and be immediately eligible one time. So we are, I mean, this is like Wild West free agency because you don't have to sit out anymore. Like right. you used to be able to like get a, try and get a waiver. And if you were good, like if you were Justin Fields or whatever, like you get a waiver. But like this is insane now. That like, you've got to literally keep recruiting these kids for like four years once they're in school. Yeah. Well, you know, honestly, I don't actually have an issue with this. Surprising. I have a different opinion than you. Um, it, I, it does make it a little bit of the wild, wild west. I like that it's a one-time thing. So you can't be this serial jumper, right? Or at the very least, if you do, you have to sit out while you do it. In the past, if um, your head coach changed, the NCAA would let you transfer without sitting out a year, but that didn't go for your position coach. And, you know, if these coaches can make a jump and are not sitting out, I think it's kind of crazy to think that the players who you convinced to make the biggest choice that they've made in their life up until that moment, you know, coming to that school, committing to that school, but they don't get the same the same pass. Right. And I think that, you know, when your head coach leaves, yes, your whole scheme could change. Like I can give you an example. My cousin Colin played for Georgia tech and, um, he, uh, when Georgia tech got a new head coach, they wanted him to gain a bunch of weight and play offensive line instead of tight end. And he already had on, you know, way more weight. He was probably up to about 290 at that point, 280, something like that, way more weight on his body than, his body could really handle his frame could really handle anyway, actually 280 might not be, he might've been more like 260, but regardless way more weight than his frame should have already held the idea of him getting 
you know, 300 pounds or whatever. It was just something that wasn't going to be possible for his body. So he transferred. So like in a, in a, and he went to Alabama, won a national title in that scenario, the head coach made a huge difference. Um, and that affected his change. But in a lot of times, it's just your offensive coordinator changes, right? Or your position coach. But that has a lot more of an effect for most players on the day-to-day than if your head coach changes. So I think that you should have that option if that happens to you to be able to, to, to make the change. And, you know, what if you get sold a bill of goods, right? You And you get on campus and it's not the family you were told it was. It's not the playing time you were promised, or it's not this, or it's not that, or whatever, and you feel like it's really not a fit, is it better to be miserable on a roster that you wish you weren't on? Or is it better to have the opportunity to make it right, right? This is this is the biggest decision these kids have made, and they're kids. Yeah, I am... No, I'm 100% okay with this. I have no issues with it. There will be times where this will hurt my school and there will be times where this will help my school. And at the end of the day, if a kid thinks that something is right for him or her, right? Like all athletes, then they should be able to do it. Like you said, coaches can get up and leave and jump from school to school to school to school. And there's no, um, you know, recompense or there's no nothing. Now they can't go every single year. And so that's why I do like that. It's right. um, That's a one-time thing. If you but, mistake, because like a coach, diet, but you can't just, you can't do you it know, four times. I mean, you have to sit out if you do. Um, right. 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 So you can, but you, you will be sitting out. I thought it was an interesting point when you um, said that they were going to have to continue to recruit them, not just to get them to the school. I think honestly that that is not a bad thing for the coaches that tell the truth during recruiting, right? Where, who this becomes a problem for is the coach that promises the playing time, right? Or the coach that, uh, you know, uh, takes this big fish in a small pond and convinces them that right off the bat, you're going to be the big fish in the big pond again. And I think that that happens a lot in recruiting. I think that, um, but the coaches who are true to their word are going to lose less guys. Yeah, no, for sure. And you hear guys, you hear players talk all the time about, I was promised I would do this. I was promised I'd play this position. And if right. the coaches are full of crap and lie to you, then yeah, go somewhere else. So it man. is like, going to change recruiting tactics, which will be interesting to see. Yeah, which I'm all the way there for. Yeah, um, I, I am too. I think. I mean, I think about Dan Mullen. I don't. Uh, Dan Mullen obviously has not been a prolific recruiter out of high school, but I think he's been a prolific recruiter with the transfer portal, which is a really interesting. Um, concept to me because I think what that means is that once the shiny stuff wears off when you get into a program that maybe that that kid realizes some things that he thought were important maybe aren't and then he he changes what it is that he's looking for right and so that what Dan Mullen has there is probably better than what the initial program had sold but not as glitzy and glammy so like for somebody like him this might work out well for um, I would use Georgia kind of as an example of, of the glitz and glam that, that tarnishes off. Right. Um, so I'll be interested to see how it, how that plays out over the next few years. Yeah. I think it also opens the door, uh, 
for potentially more violations for people. Like you got to toe that line of, because you know, coaches will be in contact with kids that are on other rosters, which is totally not allowed. Hey, I saw you riding the pine uh, on Saturday. That wouldn't have happened for us, you know? So yeah, yeah, it's a dangerous game, but well, and will more runners be involved if that's the case? Because like, I can't, uh, hopefully head coaches aren't picking up the phone and saying like, you know, Hey, McKenzie, uh, saw how you how you did for FSU, but wouldn't you rather come put on the orange and blue and play in a you know a better conference or whatever else? But is it uh, some lowly guy in the football office who has a friend who knows Mackenzie Milton and puts the bug in his ear? Like I bet there's more people that they get involved to try and do the the bidding for them. Oh, for sure, you know, absolutely. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun to watch and kind of fun to see. Um, how it all kind of goes down. Um, we'll keep it with college football and then we'll get to some NFL news here in just a minute. But did you see, we've talked about the, uh, NIL, the name image and likeness. Did you see, we'll start with speaking of, um, lower programs. Did you see UCF let the players put their handles on the back of their jerseys? I did. I saw that. I tweeted about that actually. And I think judging from what you text me about I think we have differing opinions on this um I think that them put UCF putting players Twitter handles on their jersey is a giant flag that they're waving to recruits hey come to the state of Florida we are on board with the NIL and we uh, name image and likeness and we you know at UCF you're going to have the opportunity to build your brand I think on its surface, it's, an, it's a great idea, right? I think players um, love the idea of getting more followers. I think that it just is brings awareness to the state as a whole, because obviously the state of Florida doesn't, it, it, the NIL isn't just a positive thing for UCF. It's a positive thing for every university here, because m- most states have not jumped on board with this yet. Um, I think there's a great chance it backfires. Um, reason being we're talking about 18 to 22 year old guys who I don't really know if we want to invite that many fans to uh, follow your every tweet. Um, yeah, I, it's I, a, I, that's a slippery slope. It's a different world. I will say um, we'll back up just a little bit. When I sent the tweet making fun of UCF, I was not aware of um, kind of the bigger picture and I just thought that UCF was being hokey again. So that's why I was making fun of them. So, but then obviously as more has happened, like I kind yeah. of get it now and, and I am, I think it is cool. So like, I don't yeah. have an issue with it. I kind of get the message that they were portraying. I thought it was just kind of like they were being hokey on a Saturday morning, which I mean, well, would, I mean, and I guess I could be you. wrong, but I feel like they've said, no, no, that's, so when I first saw it, that was my first thought was, yeah, this that's is drawing not, attention to this. So they waved the fat flag. <laughs> Sheesh, almost got canceled. They waved the flag. Um, <laughs> uh, telling recruits like, Hey, we're going to be in on this. The big boy programs in this state though, are actually stepping up and, and doing something. So Florida state announced, I always want to say NLI because national ever intent, like NIL is hard to say because we've said in a, you know, now yeah. I can't even say the right way. Now, I, you know, national ever intent kids sign, um, Florida state, announced this week that they are partnering with a company called Apex or named Apex, which will uh, have a partnership with the UF 
I'm sorry, the FSU College of Business, the Academic Center of Excellence, and will offer courses that include instruction on NIL-related topics. Um, Apex will offer Seminole student-athletes the opportunity to elevate their social media reach by utilizing the services provided by an industry-leading content creation software platform, which supports currently 30,000 athletes and 800 teams. So Florida State announced a partnership to basically put this in action. Like, hey, it's cool to put your jersey, your name on the back of the jersey. Like, that's awesome. But here's how we're going to make it happen. And it's not just for football. It's not just for the couple of draft lottery folks. We talked about this before we started. There's an FSU, former FSU women's soccer player that has like a million and a half followers right now. She's no longer at Florida State. But with the idea of capitalizing on your image and likeness, that never stops. It's something that now college kids can do in school or will be able to once this goes into effect in July. But not only something they can do in school, but can do forever. If you have... I mean, you know how Instagram influencers work and everything else. If you have 10 million followers in college and you build that brand in college, th- those 10,000 oh, followers don't just leave. Like you go on to the NFL, you go on to do other things. People are still interested in your life and what you've done. And, you know, you think about your heroes, your sports heroes. Like it's still cool to like hear what they're doing today. So anyway, Florida State announces that partnership which is really cool. I assume the other big schools in, in the state will follow suit and do something very similar. Uh, but it was cool to be on the uh, on the leading edge of something that wasn't embarrassing for once, like a good <laughs> like a good FSU update uh, for the first time in, in in podcast history between us. So anyway, um, it was cool to see. You're totally right though about like the 18, 19 year old guys that like are sending tweets and stuff. There are. I know some of them. There are like there's a full department that like all they do is watch what all of the student athletes tweet. Sure. And they immediately like message him and say, delete that, delete that, delete that. Like I know two of the people that do it at FSU. Like, so yeah, you're you're right. Like not only like they're gonna have to hire more people now. Yeah, and in the cancel culture that we are in, it's just risky, right? And like, and here's uh, the honest truth of it. I don't really care if an 18-year-old kid sends out a tweet that maybe isn't appropriate and I'm hiring for a job 10 years down the road. That's not going to nix them in my book. But there's a lot of people that now it does. And so uh, you're drawing when when you're purposefully making the platform larger, which is the whole point of NIL, you are making the microscope larger too. So I would guarantee I, these guys already get classes on social media and how to conduct yourself in public and with fans and whatever else. But it's about to be taken to a whole nother level because now their livelihood is actually going to depend on it. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of a crazy concept, right? I really don't want to be held uh, to any sort of standard from when I was 18 to 22. I don't want to be held to the Thank standard God, from Facebook being 30 right Only now. for college kids at that point. Well, and that's why guys like, you know, Johnny Manziel and Jameis and different people like got in so much trouble. Cause like, they're no different than kids 15 years ago. Like I heard Chris Winkie once say like, man, if, if, if they'd had cameras on me <laughs> when I was in school, the, I'd have been kicked out. Like without a doubt, like, Oh, oh my God. And so, so like, how many of the things that I saw players you know, do when I was in school, like, but like 2000, 2000- Eleven, two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen. James stand up on a on a table and 
yelling like an internet, an inappropriate internet meme. Like it's something that has happened between guys. Like we used to at lunch, we used to, this is inappropriate, but like, have you ever heard of the penis game? Yes. Like we, that we used to play that. Like who could right. yell right. that the loudest at my Christian but school lunch say, table? Like if Jameis didn't have the rape allegation and oh, still yeah. like yeah, I'm not saying, standing on the table might not have carried the same amount of weight. Right? No, no, absolutely. But it's still it's like not something that is special to him doing it. Uh, it college kids. But could you imagine anyone else? Yeah, anyone else did it. Phenomenon. Anyone else did it like next week? Oh, they'd be canceled for sure. It'd be canceled worse than he was like eight oh, years 1, ago. You know, and so like it just it's just funny now. But that was the height of social. Like social media had never been that big that fast. And so you saw it like with Mandel and Winston and everything. And then guys like totally went into a show where like now they have classes to teach them like, hey, everything you say is going to be taken the wrong way. Whether you mean it bad or what, like it's going to be taken the wrong way. Yeah. So anyway, so it's, it just takes a lot of, <laughs> I'm sure, I know the coaches are on like pins and needles at all times. Just oh, like of hoping, course. Like, They're like, God, that. you just gave us another job. Perfect. So anyway, a lot of news there. Okay. Some NFL news, and then we'll get into one final topic and we'll wrap it up. But the Bucks and Broncos, along with maybe other teams, I don't know if other teams have done this or not. Yeah. Um, but I, I assume they will. Um, they've opted out of the voluntary workouts, put out press releases yesterday saying that they would not be um, participating in the voluntary sure. workouts. They put out a press release. Um, to say that they wouldn't show up to something that was optional, a little bit of irony in that. I don't, you know, right. it's like well, calling it calling it on your day um, off. A sport past eighth grade knows what optional <laughs> and voluntary workouts actually mean. It's also optional to play. It's optional to make a roster. It's optional to earn a scholarship. Right? All of those things are completely voluntary. Um, so, and, and what are your thoughts there? Voluntary workouts are the same. So, here's my I, a couple thoughts. Um, first, the NFL announced today that. Anybody that works within an NFL franchise, like anything from serving the food to cleaning the locker rooms to training room activities, any of that stuff, if you work for the NFL, you have to be vaccinated. You have to get the COVID vaccine. The only people within an NFL organization that are exempt are NFL players themselves, the coaches, and the owners. Those are the only three categories that ex are exempt. So basically, all the peons don't have a choice. They're taking the vaccine. Because of that, that basically makes going to voluntary workouts the absolute safest place for any of these players to be, right? They're more exposed going to Publix than they are going to One Buck Place. Sure. And it's also ironic because we just finished an entire NFL season. Not only an entire NFL season, but a successful NFL season, right, where we had very little cases we never there's not a single game that was canceled and not made up there this was this the nfl managed it really really well which so then that basically tells you that this really isn't a whole lot about covid right no not These at all they were go they, ahead last year they got to do workouts remotely because of covid sure uh, which was totally understandable at the time and they got paid for it right right and they want the same thing to happen this year Right. Which is totally fine, but 
if the rule says that you come in and play, like, I don't know. I think that you like, let's not do it under the guise of it not being safe then. Right. Yeah. Just say that, Hey, Um, it worked out last year. We want to do it again this year. Can you pay us for working out at home? If so, great. Yeah, exactly. And I also wonder of motivation for veteran players, because if rookies can't participate in voluntary workouts, rookies have a real hard time taking the spot of a veteran. And, you know, when after the draft happens and the two or three days after that, that's when the undrafted free agents sign. Those are the players that are most likely to be cut during an offseason. They there are a certain number that they can sign for offseason workouts. And then that number shrinks again before they go into camp. That number shrinks halfway through two a days. And then there are, there's the final 53 that make the roster and you can sign people to practice squads or whatever. But how do you keep an undrafted free agent that you haven't been allowed to see work out over a veteran who you know what you're going to get from them, right? So this really hurts the lowest men on the totem pole, so to speak. And um, you and I talked a little bit off air about like, my husband was an undrafted free agent. His signing bonus was like $10,000. Most of the time when he was on a roster during the off season, it cost us money for him to be on that on that roster. They, wherever you are, they take the price of wherever they have you stay. Um, you know, it's a hotel most of the time, but out of your weekly pay, Eric's check with the jets was $15 a week after they took out his hotel. So, but they also don't feed you. I think that like there'd be, if you have a morning practice, there's probably breakfast at the facility, or if there it's an afternoon practice, there's a lunch you can grab or whatever, but they don't even feed you (laughs) except for when you happen to be there. So, and you're not there on the weekends and you're not even there Monday through Friday, most of the time. So it costs these guys money and most of them don't come from a situation where they can really afford to like live in New York city or actually it was technically New Jersey, but uh, you know, live in these big cities on their own dime. Um, so it's, it, it's frustrating to me from that end because the players that can afford it aren't affected. The players who really need to show what they can during this off season to even have a shot of making a final roster don't get that opportunity. And um, that's going to kind of shift the dynamic of what we see on these rosters moving forward. Um, So, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a fan. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of just come out and say what you want to say. Like say we want to work remote like everybody else in America and just do it. Don't don't make it about COVID. For instance, in the CFL, there are no off season workouts. You come in, you go to camp after camp, there is a small preseason and then they go into the regular season. So they don't have an off season. Their, their attitude in Canada is you are all professionals. You will do what you need to do to work out or you won't make a team. And that's how it is. And everybody has that, you know, couple weeks of camp to prove what they can do. And that's it. And that's fine. That's how the league has been built. But their rosters are also smaller. They're the the amount of guys that even attempt to go into the league are smaller. There's not tons of guys being signed as undrafted free agents. It's just a totally different dynamic. Um, But that's not the way that the NFL has been run. And so I really do think this change hurts the guys at the bottom. Yeah, which makes sense. And it'll be 
we always, this is our most used phrase on here, but it'll be interesting to see right. what the rest of the league does. Does everybody well, else kind of follow suit? What, you know, right. And if go? everybody doesn't, what kind of outcomes does it have on those seasons? And obviously rosters aren't equal. Um, but in the NFL, they're a lot more equal than they are in like college. Um, so if you have a team that goes to the facilities, completes off-season workouts, do they have a better outcome than some of these teams that opt out? And, you know, we talked again off air, the Bucks think that last season was pretty damn successful for them and they didn't go in, but everybody else wasn't as successful. So I think that it's harder when you're not the Super Bowl champion to question whether or not working remotely affected your season at all. Yeah, somebody had to win last year. You know, right. <laughs> like you right. can't. Well, and I mean, every you know. week there's, you know, every game that takes place, there has to be a winner and a loser. So I don't know. I think that uh, I think they'll eventually just go back to the CBA and work this into the CBA. This is, you know, an issue because they didn't work it out beforehand. Right. But uh, it'll eventually get worked out in the new CBA, and it'll probably just go away. Like well, the voluntary workouts will go away. They'll agree yeah. on it, and that'll be that. But it was something the players agreed on in the CBA, and so they should be there. Using the guise of COVID ticks me off. Like just right. saying, oh, so, I'm scared of COVID, like safety. Well, uh, they still you know. have rookie mini camps. I, I don't know. May, I, I think so. I would think so. Yeah, it's different. I think so. Yeah. Well, we shall see. Um, so last topic of the night, the NCAA announced something this week. Do you want to go ahead and take the lead on this? Tell us what happened. Well, okay. So the NCAA, I, 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 anybody that's on Twitter, on social media will have, will tell you that the NCAA announced that they were going to pull championships from any States that post that pass what they called anti-transgender laws. That is not actually what the NCAA said. The NCAA issued a statement on Monday that essentially said they would look closely at states that choose to pass what they referred to as anti-transgender laws um, and whether or not it was still a good idea to host championships there or whatever. It is particular, particularly of interest to us because the state of Florida today passed a bill making it impossible for biological men or and boys to compete in girls and women's scholastic sports. Um, so it's Florida is set to host something crazy, like 50 regional or national championship events, NCAA events in over the next like five years. Um, so that is something that was used as a, um, in in arguments today for and against the bill, they they said you know like this could cost the state a lot of money if the NCAA chooses to hold hold to their word. Basically, I think the NCAA chose their words carefully on purpose because I think it it they're basically it doesn't hold them to anything, right? It basically said they'll take a a a good hard look at it, but it didn't say we're a thousand percent pulling out. Um, I don't see the NCAA pulling a championship from the state of Florida. This is where everybody wants to vacation. This is where all of the schools want to be. This is where, uh, you know, there is a ridiculous amount of fans in this, in this state. I think it would be leaving way too much money on the table, but you know, something that just crossed my mind right now, we talked about this um, a couple of episodes ago, the, um, 
inequity between what was provided for men's teams in the NCAA bubble during the tournament and what was provided for the women's teams. Who is the NCAA to be lecturing anybody on equality in sports right now? Well, thinking that the NCAA um, would ever be logical or would ever make sense might be our first mistake. But yeah, like the 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 issue is the NCAA did not say that they wouldn't like you said they did not say that they wouldn't i they that they wouldn't have the championships here but i do think they wanted to sound tough without having to actually do anything I'm trying to choose my words somewhat Correct. carefully before I get canceled on this situation, the NCAA probably will not do anything. Um, 30 states right now are debating this. And so essentially, what are you, you going to do? Keep it out. I mean, Florida is one of the biggest, but you, you're not going to go to Jerry World either. You're not going to go back to Atlanta anymore. You know, because you look at your states and it's going to be where's red and where's blue. So you're not going to go back to yeah. Texas for any games. You're I mean, not all go championships to- are now going to be held in California. Uh, right. I mean, you think if, about if, you think about where championships are held. It's in the South and in California. Jokes on them they, because sports aren't yeah. even allowed in California right now. So yeah. then what are we so going to do? You can't. It's it, you can't have it in Florida. Georgia is going to be – you can't have it in Georgia because they've got laws that you don't like that you can't have it in. Um, Texas, where a lot of things happen, where else do they go? New Orleans, you can't go back to the Sugar Bowl, can't go to the Fiesta Bowl because Arizona's red. So you just – you know, what are you only holding championships in California now because they're the only ones that vote the way that right. you wanted them right. to vote or do this or do that. So it's a, it's, a, it's a statement by the NCAA that's a bunch of fluff. Um, but because the argument or because the conversation has been brought up, you are 100% right in the fact that, I mean, you know, I'm okay with people's opinions being different than mine, but I'm very sure. glad that Florida passed this law because, like you said, it's only limiting biological males. You can. Be who you want to be, but it's only limiting biological males from competing against biological females, which I don't think is appropriate. I don't think it's appropriate for biological male for biological females to have to compete against biological males who by and part are bigger, faster, stronger, essentially more athletic on the whole. Um so, so I'm the mom of four girls, right? So this has been a particular interest to me because we are and will continue to be involved in girls sports for the duration, right? For the, for the, my children's entire childhood and, you know, beyond potentially we'll see. Um, I also struggle because I'm good with people choosing to be whoever it is that they want to be. It, it does not, it's not my business. It's not my place to to judge. I, I really don't care. I do care when I feel like it's an attack on women's sports. This bill allows for biological women to still compete in biological men's sporting events, which I'm also okay with because there is not a, a pure advantage being a woman 
competing in a man's sport. You're actually at a disadvantage. Sure. Right. So I, I don't have any real issue with that at all. I just don't think uh, so. Currently right now, the NCAA rule national rule is that you have to have been on, um, I guess, testosterone blockers for one year before you can compete in a women's sport. There's a lot of new studies out showing that even after two years, your testosterone levels, your muscle um, density, strength are still more comparable with a man than they are with a woman. These are things that the Olympic Committee is now looking at, too, because it's becoming uh, it'll become an issue. It's becoming an issue for them as well. So they're revisiting what their previous rules are. So that is one, that's an issue because what it's saying is even with these drugs, there's still a competitive advantage for longer than we initially realized. Um, But I just, you know, if I told you that my kids ran the hundred meter dash and you're like, oh yeah, my son does too. Let's have them race. If they're the same age and we're not talking about five, like we're talking high school or college, right? I'm not really concerned. Like my daughters will blow the pants off of any five-year-old boy out there. Um, but they're seniors in high school. The boy is going to win more than likely. If he, if he is a, if, if he is inclined towards track, he is more than likely going to win all other things equal. Being That's equal, not yeah. fair to my girls. It's not That's not like, why are we creating, uh, you know, women's sports already have enough hurdles. They're given less funding. They're given less TV time. They're given less marketing. They're given less attention in general. So not only do they work from that disadvantage, but now we're going to actually put biological males in their sporting events too. Like if we wanted to create a third category that was a co-ed category, have at it. I'm totally good with that. I don't, it's not the idea of my kids being around transgendered kids. That's totally fine. I don't, I think that the more diversity that they're around, the better. But I don't think it's fair to put them in a situation to have to compete against a biological male. All other things being considered, that's a disadvantage right off the bat. Like you said, women's sports, we've had um, we've had three female coaches on the FSU pod. We've had Lonnie Almeida, um, FSU softball coach. We had Jennifer Hyde, who is the um, – women's tennis coach. And then we had Brooke Wyckoff who's filled in for coach Sue with women's basketball this year, who was away with some health issues. Um, there is nothing crazier to me than the idea that women's sports are already as disadvantaged as they are. Some of that due in part, I like, I understand title, not title nine, everything else. Some of that due in part to because it's where revenue comes and flows sure, and goes and stuff sure. like that. Like some of that, that is survival. Of, of some of that is, is just, right? you know, there's a reason there are fortune 500 companies and there's a reason there's fortune 100 companies, right. you know, like, right. so there's, I understand all that, but how can you have title nine on one hand that says we've got to treat women more fairly and then let biological men compete and put them in front of the women. Like, how can you say like, okay, we got to have title nine that says we, you know, we have more, you know, we got to have the same number of female option sports and male and scholarships and this, that, and the other. But if a biological male decides to be a female, which that decision and like the debate for that is another time, another podcast. But 
once that decision has been made, you're then saying that that biological male now gets to jump in front of the woman that we put all these other laws into place for? Like it is purely hypocritical, which again, no shock by the NCAA to jump on this. But again, it just, it's insane. And all of this to say the NCAA is full of crap. They're not pulling any championships out of Florida or out of anywhere else. Because again, unless you're just going to hold all championships in California, good luck. You right. know, like, well, let's just, go. You have know, every championship, have every championship at the Rose Bowl in every sport. <laughs> I mean, think <laughs> have about an open how would that have worked game. out for the NCAA this year? If they were relying on California to host their championships, the NCAA would have made no money this year because no games would have been played. So I just think that it's, you know, it's ironic to think that those are the states that we're looking at, you know, to, to, to hold up as this, you know, authority. Yeah, you're going to start having football championships in the North, you know, like, bring, you know, NCAA, the NCAA just, is so The NCAA stupid. doesn't tweet, treat men and women's sports equally. This year has been incredibly evident of that. So I just think it's rich that they think that they get to be the moral authority on this now when they've created or at the very least attributed to large inequities between women and men's sports from the beginning. It really is. <laughs> like you said, the fact that they feel like they can play God with it is, is hilarious um, because they're one of the biggest divides um, that exists. We all saw the video between the, you know, the wins weight room and the men's weight room at the NCAA yeah. tournament. We saw the swag bag differences. We saw the food differences. Like, please, maybe fix your own house. Yeah. And <laughs> never mind. I'm not making that joke on air. I'll make that after the game uh, or after the pod. Um, but that's all I have today before we get canceled. But yeah, the NCAA is full of crap. I'm glad that Florida passed the bill through the house and hopefully I'm glad they passed it the way it did too, though, because I don't think that there's something that doesn't create a competitive advantage. I'm totally good with existing. Yeah. If, if, if it passes through the house, what we should end up doing is we should eliminate all gender in sports and everything should just be a, uh, uh, a gender neutral competition. Um, everyone can play in everything and unfortunately, what that's going to do for my daughter and your daughters is they will never win another competition right. again. Like that right. will be that will be the last time that they will win. But everyone in the world is treated equally. Everyone is treated fairly. We we have no we see no gender. We at, we don't ask your gender. Everyone competes in the same leagues in the same everything. It's one basketball team at FSU, and and you go out and you have half and half. It's that's what it is, you know. So that I prefer my idea of co-ed teams to, uh, to this because it does. It's it just it puts women at a disadvantage, and I feel like women are perpetually begging for a seat at the table in every major arena, be it sports, be it work, be it politics, you know, whatever. And I, this is hurting women. Yeah, it's the only gender that it does hurt. So, um, so hopefully we haven't offended everybody. If we have come back next week, we'll, we'll try and do it earlier in the show. So you don't have to listen to the other BS before we get to what you hate. Um, 
I'm excited to have a good weekend though. Like I got all that off my chest. I feel good now. So uh, anything else before we get out of here? No, I think that's about it. I got to rant about, you know, protecting my kids. I, you know, I'm good. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We appreciate everybody that does. We appreciate the engagement on social media and the folks that, uh, send us questions. If you have questions, if you have different, uh, comments, if you hate anything we've said, you can tweet those at us. Um, Allie underscore peak or I was going to say tweet about TJ, but sure. TJ underscore, underscore Pinger. Allie doesn't check her Twitter. So send them to her. She'll see him in like three days. Um, and, uh, if you really want to, you can go on and leave us a mean review on iTunes, leave it with five stars. Somebody this week put, they'd rather hear more peak and less pit, which I totally agree. Allie is 100 times better than I am at uh, most things, probably not sports because again, men and women, but uh, <laughs> Allie's way better than me at everything else anyway, but like, don't leave one star. If you're going to be mean, you could be mean, but put five stars next to it. Cause like the one star I'm, I'm not a big fan of. So now I got to petition iTunes to get it off of there. So um, anyway, anything else before we go? Oh, you said no. All right. Then I think that's it. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.